0: yeah let's do the thing
1: hello welcome to judge cast this is episode number 90 with me as always oh i'm cj trader with me as always my two enchanting co-hosts first off we have just dunks
2: it's episode 90 what's with that
1: i i don't know <laughs> is that a joke i'm missing no oh
2: just like holy crap a lot of episodes anyway we it also is a have lot brian it Pillman. is a
1: lot yeah brian film he's pretty cool
0: yeah i'm almost 92 wait what <laughs> <laughs> don't lie uh, about your age okay 92
2: <laughs> <laughs> um no it, i just like i was thinking about it when you said episode 90 that we've been doing this a while we're coming up on 100 soon
1: yeah 90 i don't know i don't but know why I 90 s- seems like so many more than 89 but it does
0: Right, because it's the home stretch to the three-digit number. Ooh! Yeah. Plus, things that
2: end in zeros and fives are
0: special yes, for whatever are. reason.
2: Now, when we roll over to the three-digit number, are we going to have to like put something in there? Like, this is a 2010 review on all of our <laughs> <laughs> all of our podcasts.
1: No, and oh, not wow. only that, but when I when we switched to JudgeCast.com and I was uploading all the files, I renamed them to have three-digit numbers just in preparation yes. of this day. This. Uh, Oh, because if you didn't, you'd have a lot of work to do. You'd have to fix all that. Not really. I guess it wouldn't matter at all, but I did do it. (laughs) Hey, but this is a special (laughs) episode, too, where we're going to go over the uh, release notes or FAQ for Journey into Nyx. Yay. People really like these episodes because they hate reading. (laughs) Yes. But they love listening. Uh, Overall, Journey is not too complex. We only have two new abilities, and they are both ability words, which means that they have no rules meaning. Uh, an old example is landfall. You know, basically they're just a reminder so that we all have the same word to refer to something. So the first one that is coming in with Journey into Nyx is Enchantment, Enchantment Fall. Enchantment Fall. <laughs> we were both about to go there. Yes. Um, also known as Constellation. So an example of a with Constellation is Humbler of Mortals. Is- what? Humbler. humbler humbler yeah he humbles mortals humbler um,
2: he also likes to post pictures on his humbler account
0: <laughs> yes La- laughed at that harder yeah. than it deserved I mean, oh no we have a humbler account we do have a humbler we don't ever use it no but we have we have a humbler account so I guess that would be our humbler of mortals yes. humbler judge cast all right so humbler is an enchantment creature elemental
1: and he has a consolation whenever humbler of mortals humbler of mortals or another enchantment, <laughs> enters the battlefield under your control creatures you control gain trample until end of turn so all the constellation cards are worded exactly like this basically you know like all ability words if you removed the word constellation it wouldn't change how the card functions in fact there's a card in m14 with exactly this um this type of text i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it it would have constellation if it was printed in this set uh, Beyond that they're not too complex they all trigger whenever they enter the battlefield or another enchantment enters the battlefield Uh, the only other little rules trick to them is if you have a creature with a bestow away everyone remembers that that means something is bestowed onto it so the bestow away is the creature that is bestowed onto it Um, if you have a creature with a bestow away and the creature it's enchanting or the creature dies the bestow away turning into a creature is not the creature entering the battlefield so it will not trigger humbler of mortals or other cards with constellation. So,
0: so where where is it? It's sitting on your it's sitting on your playmat uh enchanting something and then that thing dies, it's still sitting right there. It didn't go anywhere. Right. Um an- another thing with consolation is uh with humbler humbler of mortals when you play humbler of mortals uh it says creatures you control gain trample until end of turn if in response to that trigger someone humbles your humble, humble <laughs> humbler of of mortal or kills it. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shoes on the other foot now humbler of mortals. <laughs> um, the trigger is still going to happen. Okay, if the creature dies or if it loses its abilities or anything like that, it exists the trigger exists independent of the creature. Uh, once it triggers,
2: you know, with Humbler of Mortals, if you had said there's gonna be a card with constellation named Humbler of Mortals, I would have expected it to be a white card that makes everything a one-one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, huh? <laughs> I, I'm very much with you on that. Like, I, I don't know why this card got that name. Any any mortal is like a you know
0: they're like well, yeah I'm a
1: two-two and they're like nope.
0: I could also I could also see like some sort of black demon also because he you know he just does that whole humble thing but yeah mm. like mm. i'm
2: so humble i gain trample that doesn't make sense well well maybe
0: it's it's i humble you because i'm big and going to trample over top of you
1: yeah he's giving his buddies other enchantments humble and you know if some other regular mortals just happen to be there you know whatever hey let's talk about strive <laughs> <laughs> flavor, cast. <laughs> flavor cast um so, so this is just fireball, right? Yeah. It, every, everything's a fireball now. Yeah. Once again, if fireball was printed today, it would have strive. If it was printed in this set. Yes. Which is funny because fireball is considered so confusing that they're like, let's make it a mechanic.
0: So here's, so here's the thing. Fireball's fireball's complicated because it's got an additional cost and it's got X, so you have to do like complex algebra and stuff like that. Right. None. Of, I don't believe any of these spells, any of the strive spells have. X in it. It's just, how many creatures? Alright, this is what you pay. Done. There's no, like, dividing and splitting and calculations and computing of X and all that good stuff. That's true. So read our read our first strike card here. Okay, okay. So Desperate Stand is a red and a white for sorcery uh, that says any number of target creatures, uh, any number of target creatures, each get plus two, plus O, oh, and gain first strike and vigilance until end of turn. Oh, now, I can just give that to my whole team for red and white. That's amazing. Well, great. However, oh. strive is also an ability word. Okay, so it has no meaning. It's just there to link things together. It says um, the ability word is uh, set up to link them all together, and the, the common link that they have is you pay an additional cost to target each creature beyond the first so in for desperate stand it's desperate stand costs red and a white more to cast for each target beyond the first so if i want to target only one creature it's a red and a white if i want to target two creatures it's red red white white if I want to target three creatures, it's red, 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 white. It's the UV40 song, right? No. Red, 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 white, white, white. You like the you like the UV40 reference? Oh yeah, definitely. Why wouldn't I? Okay, okay. Good good 90s reference there. Yeah. Um Yes. So strive, it is an additional cost. So it follows all the same additional costs, uh, rules that we've talked about in the steps to casting a spell episode um it is so the steps to casting a spell real quick um you announce your spell put it on the stack uh you choose modes and stuff like that here any number of target creatures so here you're going to be like target you know that that and that those three things okay then you go down a little bit further and it comes time to determine total costs so you look at the converted mana cost of the card which is red and white that does not change uh, and then you look at the additional cost. Well, the additional cost is red and a white for each additional target beyond the first. So, I have three targets. I have to pay that additional cost twice. Now that it's it's computed, it's locked in. I activate mana abilities and I pay the costs. If I can't pay that cost, then the whole thing gets gets uh, uh, rewound. You know, and we start we start over and we try again. So. You can't really go, oh, well, I'm going to target these four things, and then I can't pay for it. But they still got targeted, so they get credit for being targeted by a spell, like uh, like those illusions from what is, like, M12? Yeah, right and actually there's a card in this set that has the same clause. Yeah, Crystalline uh, Squid thing. Yeah, we'll get to him. He's on here. Crystalline Nautilus.
1: So
2: so we're talking about things that get triggered by being targeted? Yes. Yes. And you bring up not heroic?
1: (laughs) Also a good point.
2: (laughs) Like, like that's what the whole heroic mechanic from the last two sets is about.
1: Yes, that too. So you also can't do this to get heroic, yes.
0: Sure. Sure. Whatever, man. (laughs) That would make more Um, sense. Yeah, so... um... If, uh if something lets you cast a strive spell for free okay that doesn't that means you get like the first creature or the first act you know the first thing part of it for free if you decide to uh, target additional things you still have to pay the additional cost. Um, it works with things like if it's in your graveyard and you give it flashback somehow you know uh, you can you can still target additional things and pay the additional costs um let's see here if you copy so if i on my desperate stand i decide to target three things and somehow i get to copy desperate stand i get three things or i get to target three things with my copy of desperate stand not one not two not five Uh, i don't get to like rebuy in for the uh for the additional cost uh let's see here uh as a spell with multiple targets so my strive my desperate stand in our example has three targets uh the only way to counter desperate stand then would be to remove all three targets Otherwise, it'll just do as much as it can. So if I only kill, you know, if you kill one of my dudes that I was targeting, all well, the other two dudes are still going to get the get the pumpsies.
2: They could also just counter it. They know, like, could.
0: They could, but counter spell's not in this set. <laughs> <laughs> Heroic.
1: <laughs> a lot of the FAQ can be summarized by... Um, that's, if if yeah. all the targets are illegal, you get none of the effects. And so that's why, like... That's what a lot of the faq says for a lot of different cards um and we're not going to talk about all those cards obviously because there's no reason to but like for example there's one that says like counter target spell and then that spells controller mills for um hey if the target becomes illegal perhaps because it was countered by something else you know you're not going to mill for so just just pretend every time you read a card just be like what happens if the target's illegal oh it's countered and then we don't
0: have to say it every time and we get to have a moderately faster show yes hopefully. That was actually one of the really bad things about cryptic command because you do like that. That one of the modes got counter target spell and draw a card, yeah. and something would happen to the spell, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, I'll just draw this card here because that's the second part of the cryptic command that I chose." And no, whoops. And then okay, yeah, we have a few. Uh, did you have anything else you want to say about Stripe? I, I, no, just it's it's like Fireball. It is. It, it, I mean, it's so it's it's gone all the way back to Alpha. It's, mechanically, it's like kicker. It is. But everything's like kicker. But everything's like kicker or multi-kicker, so, eh. 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 Why is it different? Flavor.
1: (laughs) Because multi-kicker was too broad, is the answer. Yeah. Uh, Just like, um, what was it? Like, everything is either kicker or, like, channel. Entwine. Yeah. Or... So, we have a few returning mechanics. Uh, Bestow is back. We'll touch on that in just a second. Uh, Devotion, Inspired, Monstrosity, Heroic, and Scry are all back. Uh, Monstrosity less- left us for a set, but it's back, and I missed it dearly.
0: What about um, Tribute? We're back tribute? with vengeance. vengeance.
1: Tribute is out. What? Yeah. Man. But if you want to know about those abilities, including Tribute, you can listen to episodes 84 and 75, which is the FAQ episodes for those sets. Um with Bestow, I'm not going to go into how Bestow works because that's half the episode, but I just want to mention that on in this uh, set, there are a cycle of creatures that are meant to have like drawbacks, uh, so they'll be like, you know, Enchanted Creature gets plus two, plus one, and can't block, something like that. Um, so basically, they're kind of meant that you cast them on your opponent's creatures, and I just want to remind someone, everyone that, you know, even though you Bestow the guy on your opponent's creature, you still control the Bestow away. So when the opponent's creature dies, the bestowaway is still yours and still on your side of the battlefield, and you still control it as a creature. That's all I'm yep. saying about those. All right, let's do card by card. Everybody loves card by card. Cards by cards. I'll go first because the first one's easy.
2: Oh, uh uh-huh.
1: good, good. All right, we have Aegis of the Gods. Aegis, is that how you pronounce that? Aegis? Aegis? Aegis, you think? I think it's Aegis. Hmm. If if Jess doesn't correct me, I just assume I said it correctly. I'm going to go to dictionary.com and look up. I
2: actually don't know this word.
1: (laughs) Uh, He's a creature. None of that really matters. He says you have hex proof. Um, All I want to mention with this card is that in a way this can protect your planeswalkers from non-combat damage. So to go into the uh, planeswalker redirection rule a little bit. If somebody wants to say somebody has lightning strike and they want to deal three damage to your Kiora. I've just been informed. It is Aegis. Aegis like Regis. No, like Aegis. Aegis. All right. Uh, Someone has You just want
0: to go over the cards. Hey,
1: yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, someone has a lightning strike and they want to do three damage to your Kiora. Um, what they are in reality doing, even though they'll probably just say three to Kiora or targeting Kiora, that's not actually correct. What they are doing is they are targeting you, and then when the spell resolves, they are choosing to redirect it to Kiora. Um, this is not how combat damage works. For combat damage, you attack Kiora directly, but for non-combat damage, that is how it works. So Aegis of the Gods can actually protect your planeswalkers from non-combat damage or non-combat damage, yes, that would normally have to target you to deal to the planeswalker. Thanks Aegis your true pal. <laughs>
2: the, yes. next, the next card is uh a Johnny Mentor of Heroes. This bro. Uh which oddly has no interaction with heroic at all, but <laughs> Johnny Mentor of Heroes. That's funny. I really like this card because uh, it has two plus one abilities, which we haven't seen in a long time since yeah. I think the last one was actually Elspeth Knight Errant, which was awesome. Maybe I don't he, think this is quite that good, but I still think it's a good card.
1: Maybe he taught her how to do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, keep going.
2: <laughs> um, so... Uh, Ajani Mentor of Heroes uh, has three abilities. Planeswalker costs three green-white. He has three abilities. The first one is plus one loyalty. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures you control. And the second one is plus one counter. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an aura, creature, or planeswalker card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And his last ability, minus eight, you gain 100 life. I like it. hundred. That's a lot of life. a lot of life. And with... Yes. Uh... So, so the last ability says minus eight, still lose to Splinter Twin. So <laughs> take that <laughs> with a great assault. Um, wow. So yeah, probably not going to make a modern splash here. But uh, for the first ability, you have to choose how you're going to distribute those counters when it goes on the stack. So it's not that you get to you can't choose two creatures and then wait for it to resolve and then be like oh these two go here and this one goes here you have to declare that as you put the ability on the stack and the second one is or the second thing about that ability is that um, you everything every target you choose has to get at least one you can't go I'll choose you know three creatures but I'm gonna put all three counters on one guy it doesn't work that way you have if you choose three creatures for targets you have to distribute at least one counter to all three of those creatures. Um, and if you have something weird going on with like doubling season or whatever, you still only get to choose three and you have to choose how to distribute before it's doubled. Hmm. Um, now what's interesting about that is if you choose three creatures and then one of them dies in response because you've already chosen how to distribute, then you still only get the two counters you would originally have gotten for the two creatures that are still left. Fancy. Is there anything else about a Johnny Mentor of Heroes? Nope. No. He's shockingly simple for a Planeswalker, to be honest. For a Planeswalker with that much text? Yeah. yeah. But that second ability, I didn't even talk about the second ability. There's no it's need. Very like, straightforward. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do love the fact that he can he can pull out like Jace's and Elspeth's and stuff, unlike Garrick, who can only get creatures. So. Yeah. and, and your card said... makes a
0: splash or not. We said that you can't activate his first plus one ability if you don't have any creatures, right? Did we say that? We talk- oh, I didn't say that, but that's a good point. No, it does very good have point. to
2: have a legal target. It's not like Kiora, where it's up to one target creature, or the previous Ajani, where it was up to one. You you Did actually have to have t- creatures you control in order to activate that ability. Did we talk about this last podcast?
0: No. I'm getting. I'm getting. A Johnny? No. Yeah, I'm getting serious déjà vu here. I'm pretty sure
1: Johnny didn't exist, or we did not know about a Johnny last time we recorded. I don't think we had any spoilers last time we recorded.
0: Yeah, because there's like another a Johnny that uh, that says up to you know yeah. Plus one, and it says up to one creature gets a plus one, plus one count. So you can be like, oh, well, I'll just plus, plus, plus one, plus speaking one. Of, speaking
2: of spoilers, when is Judge Cast going to get a spoiler? I don't know.
0: I guess we have to ask for one first.
2: That's totally a thing we should do. S- can step, we do one? That?
0: step one. Step uh, one. Maybe we can try. uh y- Hey, how about how about our loyal uh, legions of loyal listeners storm Watsi demanding that we get a spoiler? And Indeed. by storm them, and by storm them, I mean maybe send an email, possibly or post to their Facebook wall, maybe. Because I mean, really storming it—that's like so 1700s. That's well, so, so what no, it is that's that's so is it's an email
2: storm. If there's enough emails and the storm count gets high enough, then we'll eventually get it.
0: There you go. Uh, CJ, can you ask Rosewater what the storm count is on us getting a spoiler? or Storm scale? Storm scale is... No, but how about Athreos? Okay. <laughs> well, Athreos uh, was, before he became the god of passage, he was one or two of the three musketeers. Okay. okay. I think he's a combination of Athos and Porthos and maybe Aramis. I don't know. He just sounds like he should be with those guys. Doesn't he? Athreos? <laughs> 20 minutes in, two cards talked about. Shush. (laughs) Shush. Hey, shush, we did Strive, and we talked about Bestowaways. They don't count. And and Constellation. Okay, Athros, he is one white-black. He is a 5-4 indestructible legendary enchantment creature god. Um, As long as your devotion to white and black is less than seven, he isn't a creature, but we don't care about that because we're rules nerds. We we care about this other little bit of text here that says whenever another creature you own dies, return it to your hand unless target opponent pays three. Okay, so the first thing it says is that we notice is it says whenever another creature, so not him, whenever another creature you own dies. So uh, it has to be a creature that not the creature that you control, but a creature that you own, which means it can be on the other side of the board. Um, And if you have stolen one of your opponent's creatures, this one don't count for that. Um, And it says whenever a creature you own dies, that means goes to the graveyard from the battlefield, um, uh, return it to your hand unless target opponent pays three life. Which means you do have to target your opponent. It's not just uh, if he has a... Aegis of the Gods, which gives him hexproof, then you will not be able to target him. And if you are in a duel, then that trigger is not going to go on the stack. Um, uh, Another thing is since this is your trigger but it requires a choice made by the opponent you actually have to give them the choice you can't just you know kind of try and gloss over it and be like oh well he didn't pay so clearly i get my dude right no you're responsible for bringing up the trigger and uh giving them the choice if you actually want it yeah although you know
1: if you sit there and don't say anything, you probably missed your trigger and you're not going to get it because it has a target. So you have to say it. Well, there's,
0: there's a there's a thing. There's a thing in the Miss Trigger policy about target opponent. Oh, you yeah. Don't yeah. Actually, you, you don't, don't have actually, to actually declare target opponent in a duel. Good. Good point. Yep. It still has All a right. visual effect on the game. Stage. Uh, it does. It does. Uh, so something's got to happen. But you need to you need to actually give them the choice you can't just blow past it and be like oh well i get my guy cuz he didn't pay no um so that's uh let's see here uh last note is technically and right, we love rules that start with the word technically technically, <laughs> to- technically tokens trigger this uh, cuz you know it's a it's a creature that you own but if your opponent's paying 3 to let you return your token to your hand uh well good I guess, right? He's going to lightning bolt himself because that token gets the graveyard and it goes pop. So there's actually nothing to return to your hand. And by the
1: same token, <laughs> if the <laughs> creature is, is uh, removed from the graveyard with this trigger on the stack, um, they can still pay three life, but there's if they don't, it won't do anything because the creature is gone. Yep. yep. What you got, Siege? What's your next card? Banishing Light, the fixed Oblivion Ring. We all knew it was coming one day. So, Banishing Light, two and a white. Um, It's an enchantment. When Banishing Light enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. So, this uses this newish template. I think we got it first in uh, M14. Um, So, a few few notes of Banishing Light. One, just like Oblivion Ring, you don't declare the target until after Banishing Light resolves. A lot of people treat um, this and Oblivion Ring and Journey to Nowhere kind of like auras or spells that kind of just... Exile the thing, but you actually cast Banishing Light, let it resolve, then decide the trigger. Uh, there's no reason to give your opponent more information than they need to have when you cast it. Uh, if Banishing Light enters the battlefield, you target something, say your opponent's Bear Cub, and then Banishing Light is destroyed in response to the trigger, the Bear Cub will never be exiled. That's because this effect has a duration. The duration is until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. And when any effect with a duration, it, um, is about to start but the duration ends before it could begin the duration the uh, the effect just never happens so in this case the duration of it you know until it leaves the battlefield ended so the effect never begins so we never exile uh target non-land permanent and then also if you happen to be in a three or more player game if you exile something with the banishing light and um say yeah say you exile your opponent's bear cub with the banishing light and then you are killed your opponent will get the, banish, get the uh, exiled bear cub back because the duration, once again, immediately ends. There's no trigger that needs to go on the stack or anything like that. It just ends, so they immediately get the bear cub back. Uh, that is different than Oblivion Ring. If you Oblivion Ring someone's bear cub and then you die, the uh, creature remains exiled forever because the Oblivion Rings leave the battlefield trigger, cannot go on the stack because you are dead. And that's it with vanishing Light. I
2: want to bring up one thing about this card real quick. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned that it was the fixed form of Oblivion Ring, and I actually fixed two things about Oblivion Ring with this card. Uh, The first one is that they fixed the templating so you can no longer do the trigger on the stack trick that you could do with Oblivion Ring, which was extremely unintuitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they also made it only target non-land permanence your opponent's control, unlike Oblivion Ring, which solves the infinite loop problem that Oblivion Ring would have if it was somehow... If you somehow got three of them into play with nothing else. Yeah. Did that Anyways. actually
0: ever
1: happen? I thought uh, it like...
2: did. It actually happened in uh, uh, one of Louis Scott Vargas's videos on our site on Channel Fireball. Yeah. Um, he did it in Magic Online and crashed the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, like on purpose
0: or? Yeah. Uh, he...
2: What happened was he he got into a situation where he could play a third Oblivion Ring and cause this to happen, and he wanted to find out what would happen, so he did it. Okay. So no one's. Okay. I've never seen it come up accidentally.
0: <laughs> okay. It's it's always, it's always let me try to do this thing to break the game. Yeah. Okay.
2: And it's really funny when, when MTGO bugs out like that, because it goes through this loop for a while. And then if everybody just yields to all, the, all of the triggers, it goes through the loop for a while, and then it can't figure out what happened. So it replays the game to that point, goes through the loop for a while again, and then it just crashes. Huh. Um, anyway. So moving on to the next card, uh, we have Battlefield Thaumaturge. And yes, I looked up how to pronounce that before I started. And <laughs> yeah, he said it right. What? He said it good. You're sure, right. but I didn't know I was going to. <laughs> oh. Um. So this is a creature. It is a two-one for one colorless, one blue mana creature, human wizard, and it says each instant and sorcery spell you cast costs one less to cast for each creature it targets. It also has a heroic ability. Whenever you cast a spell that targets this guy, he gets hexproof until end of turn um so i I feel like this card is fairly self-explanatory it makes your spells that target things cheaper and he gets slightly better when you target him Yeah, Uh, they they, this is sweet with some of the strive cards because uh, um it reduces the strive cost as well
1: although oddly not the strive card we already talked about
2: right because that's all colored mana so you can't reduce colored mana with this but
0: it would reduce fireball yep all your extra targets for fireball would be free and what is it? Comet, Comet storm or meteor? What was that? The multi kicker. Yeah, yeah. Reduce him. Get there. And then for some reason, Brian's really excited about hex. Hex. It made me laugh. All right. <laughs> so hex is a card. It's four. It's four black, black. Uh, destroy six target creatures. And and when I read this card, my first thought was, I could cast hex for two.
2: <laughs> Finally, Not only that. But if you cast hex for two and one of your targets is this guy, he will get hex proof but not have protection from hex. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny.
0: Yes. <laughs> that's really funny.
2: So so how does this how does this work
0: with uh with fused cards? Fused or split or whatever.
2: Um I I, th- I think that's pretty straightforward. Um a split card that targets uh one um one creature will be reduced by one. Uh a fused split card that targets two things will have its it's cost reduced by two. I'm sorry, two creatures will have its cost reduced by two. If you cast Far and Away, it's still only reduced by one because one of your targets is a player, for example. Um, and, but the, the fuse card has only one mana cost. It's not two spells on the stack, so you're not going to have any weird shenanigans where you're reducing extra or not enough because
0: of that. I guess, I guess one other thing, uh, a lot of spells, you know, that requires you to target, let's say three things. So you have to target three creatures. Some spells let's say, you know, like target creature gets this target creature gets this target creature gets this other thing. So you can actually either spread those targets out or stack them all on top of each other. Like seeds of strength is a, is a, is an example. It says target creature gets plus one, plus one. It says that three times. Okay. Um, it only co- it's a white and a green, so battlefield thaumaturge isn't gonna isn't gonna reduce that cost. But in that particular case, um, in it with that template, uh, you don't get a cost reduction if you are targeting the same creature over and over again with the same spell. Cool. Yeah. So how many how many total creatures is it targeting is the spell targeting? And that's what the reduction is. Or you you could just use turn and burn.
1: If you turn and burn one creature, the cost will be reduced by one. If you turn and burn two creatures, the cost will be reduced by two.
2: That's a very good point.
0: All right. Oh, I got brain maggot. All right. Yeah, that's Um, a good one. Yeah, this one made me think of Star Trek. Yeah, me too. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, so Brain Maggot. This is this also uses our, our template uh, that we've kind of gotten used to. Only uh, so he's a he's a one one for one and a black uh, enchantment creature insect. When Brain Maggot enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand, and you choose a non land card from it. Exile that card until Brain Maggot leaves the battlefield. So this is the first time that we've seen that you know exile until, uh, but it uh, hasn't done something on the battlefield. So this is a card in hand. Now, what's interesting about this is if you remove the brain maggot, uh, so uh, when it enters the battlefield, if you destroy it in response to the trigger, when the trigger goes to resolve, um, your opponent will still reveal their hand, but the exile part, the part that has the duration, uh, will not happen. So the opponent will still reveal the hand, uh, but... They do not lose the card for any length of time. Cool. Glad no one yep. messed that up in the show notes previously. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad no one messed
1: that up in the show notes either. All right, let's talk about Crystalline Nautilus, uh, the second Nautilus we've ever had in Magic. What was the first? I don't know. <laughs> what I only pay attention to the unique creature types, not where they're from. Oh, man, now I got to go look for the Nautilus. You'll find it. I will. Uh, so Crystalline Nautilus... Yeah, he's a 4-4 uh, four, four with Bestow, and he says, when when Crystalline Nautilus becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. He also says, Enchanted Creature gets plus 4, plus 4, and has, when this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. So this guy's a little unique to me. I don't think there are any other cards uh, with Bestow who have an ability that matters for the, the Bestow away as an aura, and also matters for or the creature it is attached to. Uh, But in this case, so if this is attached to a creature, if the creature is targeted, then the creature will be sacrificed. If the Nautilus is targeted, then the Nautilus will be sacrificed. Now, you're probably going to have a hard time targeting an R with any spell that's not about to destroy it, but I don't know, just in case you have some way of doing it. Uh, The other thing to mention with a card like Crystalline Nautilus, it has kind of an illusion ability, and uh, there's a bunch of triggers that exist that say something like you may do blah, the target creature. Like, we're not going to talk about the card specifically, but there's kind of a King Midas card. And uh, when he becomes untapped, you may exile target creature. Even if you're not going to do the exiling, you still must choose a target for those kinds of abilities. So you have to be careful with them and cards like Crystalline Crystalline Nautilus, because if you had um, Crystalline Nautilus, if those triggers were about to go on the stack and Crystalline Nautilus was the only legal target, you have to target Crystalline Nautilus, and it would be... Destroyed. Now this this is, of course, crystal nautilus as a creature, not as an aura. But either way, in those situations, you do have to be a little careful. They do exist. Just look out for them.
0: Uh, What is it, Vorthos or Lorthos, the Tide Maker? (laughs) He was a fun one that that targeted, but might not have actually might not do anything. Yes, Chambered Nautilus was the sec is the other Nautilus from Arcadian Masks. And he's actually been eroded because he was a creature beast. And I guess (laughs) they added the Nautilus type at some point.
1: That's funny. Um, I guess while we're talking about Nautilus, we should go ahead and mention that this set also adds our second ever Starfish and our second ever Sheep. What was the first Sheep? It's also another card that I think was eroded to Sheep. (laughs) I don't know why they chose to do these things. Well, so the Sheep type existed anyways because of like Ovanize and uh, Ovanomancer. Ovinomancer, yes. Yeah. The first Sheep was Rust Spore Ram, which was printed with no creature types because um, it was an old artifact creature, but is now Sheep. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I love see. this. So, oh. next Bla- card. <laughs> flavor, flavor Cast. Well, we talked uh, about types last episode. We even talked about unique types. That's why.
2: Um, And we had some responses to that, which I'm sure we'll get into later. No. <laughs> um, anyway, so the next card is Dakra Mystic, which... Looks kind of like somebody with two baseball gloves. I don't know <laughs> oh, what's going on now in that, that picture. <laughs> uh, like a catcher's mitt and a regular baseball glove. With, Swing bada, bada, bada. Like, And somebody threw the the cue ball and the eight ball at her, and she caught them both. Like, I don't know what's going on in this picture. Anyway, uh, some underwater pool baseball stuff. It costs one blue mana. It is a merfolk wizard. It is a 1-1, and it has the ability cost blue and tap Each player reveals the top card of his or her library. You may put the revealed cards into their owner's graveyards. If you don't, each player draws a card. Um, This is fairly self-explanatory. You reveal the Mm. top two cards, and then you... Or, sorry, you reveal the top card of each player's library, and then you make a choice. Now, you aren't making this choice for each player. You're either choosing to put them all in the graveyard, or you're choosing to have everybody draw them. I think that's all we can really say about that card.
0: Yeah, I just... I had to read it, like, five times, so... That's I, since, since i'm kind of a commander guy i was looking at that and going oh this could be this could be kind of tough because you 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 look you know you got three other people flipping over cards and you got to figure out what uh what you want to keep uh i prefer to just flash in a notion thief and then i don't have to make any decisions <laughs> whatsoever i, don't I just i just get them all
2: everyone's card and then you draw a bunch <laughs>
0: yes i get to look at what everyone gets and if i don't want to draw four cards like <laughs> i can just have them ship all those uh those cards to the graveyard that's funny that's really but I'll funny but probably probably draw the four cards all right uh daring thief yeah, speaking of thieves Speaking of thieves, so this card right here has, uh, if it's for two blue, it is a creature human rogue. It's a 2-3 with an inspired ability um, that says, whenever daring thief becomes untapped, you may exchange control of target non-land permanent you control and target permanent an opponent controls that shares a card type with it. Um, Okay, so... uh, We've talked about exchanges before in the past. Exchanges are simple in the fact that if you cannot swap C's, uh there is no exchange. So bo- both both parts of the exchange has to happen. You have to give and get something. Uh, uh and because both of these uh it targets something you control and something they control, uh, there are some ways to stop this exchange from happening. You know, sacrificing a creature, destroying a creature, giving it hex proof, all those kind of good things. Um now let's see here. Your target uh, has to be a non-land permanent, but their target does not. But it does have to share a card type with it. So I guess like if you targeted a creature, you could maybe get their Dryad Arbor. Sure. I guess. Um, now something something to consider with uh, with Daring Thief. Like let's say because it is an untapped trigger. Let's say you untap with Daring Thief uh i target my soul ring with cj's uh mocks. i don't know just because we can't and then i somehow uh tap my daring th- in response to the trigger tap my daring thief and untap it back and i get another trigger so i put that on the stack also and i target my uh Llanowar elf and i target cj's elvish mystic those, those are basically the same card right yeah okay um We're going to do, we are going to do that exchange, um, and then we are going to do our other exchange. Now, if I try, I can't really try to do any sort of weird swapping anything where i like target the same thing twice in those two effects because when i exchange it um and it doesn't work
1: yeah i was like i don't know what you're yeah it's team one swap
0: then do the other swap yeah it just says if i if i did something like if i did something like the soul ring and there was like that card avarice totem where you could do something clever with like stacking the triggers yeah okay you can't do that with this card no so don't try all All right right. go
1: (laughs) I have Deicide. That's sweet. I like this card. Uh, first off, Point it's a it this gigantic spoiler for the uh, the end of the plot, um, since it shows Elspeth stabbing Xenagos in the heart with godsend, her mythical sword slash spear. I'm not clear what exactly it is. Uh, but it reads, it's an instant exile target enchantment. So far, so good. If the exiled card is a god card, search its controller's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with the same name as that card and exile them. Then that player shuffles his or her library.
2: All right. So, could I say that I died inside when my opponent decided to cast D aside? Yeah, you can say that. I won't stop you. <laughs> All
1: right, so it looks at the card that you exiled. So you know you're gonna cast it. The only targeting restriction is an enchantment. It can exile any enchantment. Doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be a god. Then it looks at the card in exile and checks to see is that card a god? So one thing is devotion doesn't matter at all here. You know you could say somebody has only Thassa out and no other cards. Uh, so it's you know so they don't have devotion for Thassa to be a creature. You can still exile it and in exile Thassa. Is a creature uh, god because her ability, you know, her ability only works while she's on the battlefield. So, so devotion doesn't matter at all. You're going to wipe the slate clean of all the uh, Thasas in their deck. Yes. Um, along those same lines, if you were to clone a god and then day aside the clone, the clone in exile is just a clone. It's not a god. So, uh, let's see here. If the exile card is a god card, so you will not even be able to search their library because the exile card is not a god. So you don't even get to look. Uh, Another note, I don't know why you do this, but you don't strictly have to exile any gods that are in their library since you were doing a search you can fail to find. Well, it
0: says it says since any number so you can because any number of them in those uh, in those zones so you can, quote unquote, fail to find in any zone. Yeah, sure. It's kind of like the the, the old template uh, when it just says search their graveyard hand library for those cards. Because the graveyard is a public zone, okay, you couldn't fail to find in that zone, but you could fail to find in the hand and the library. Yeah. So you could. So this is. So this actually allows you to mess up and miss a card, which is which is fine, uh, because the old template it was always kind of weird because you missed it and and then it would become relevant like a turn later and you'd get a GRV because you weren't allowed to miss it yeah yeah that's weird next dessert quarters uh do you want me to talk about this uh just since i added it go for it okay
2: um i mean i i can do it it's fine unless okay. you wanted to talk about it
0: no i just i just put it in for a specific reason so if you got it go for it sure this
2: is deserters quarters deserters quarters cost two it is an artifact and it says you may choose not to untap deserters quarters during your untap step you can pay six and tap it to tap target creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's untap step for as long as Deserters Quarters remains tapped. So, the I think what Brian wanted to talk about with this is just what happens if you tap stuff and then you like use Cures Follower or whatever to untap it and then tap something else because you have ridiculous amounts of mana. <laughs> yes, because you play EDH, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, what happens is is basically nothing you you, whatever the most recently tapped thing is is going to stay tapped the other thing will will become tapped but it will not stay tapped because the duration on the effect has already ended
0: yeah it's it's basically the same thing with the new with the new duration you know exile until template stuff it's Since you're tapping it until you know for as long as Deserters Quarters remains tapped, and then you're untapping it in response to the trigger before it resolves, you're actually ending the duration before it begins. So the the whole uh, it doesn't untap you know for as long as the control you know during its control is untapped step, that doesn't happen anymore. That that like I said, it ended before it begins, so it doesn't happen. Cool. Yeah. But it still gets tapped. You still tap that creature. You still
1: tap both creatures.
0: Yes. Yeah. Both. Okay, I think
2: the next one is Brian's card.
0: Yes, have oh, at it, Brian. Great. Um, dictate of, of the Twin Gods. Uh, for three red, red is an enchantment with flash. If a sorcery would deal damage to a source. permanent... What did I say? Sorcery. Sorry. If a source, I almost said it again. <laughs> <laughs> if a source would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. Fancy. So, this thing is almost uh almost a furnace of wrath. Um, it affects both players. Uh it does have flash. You can get that in there, <laughs> surprise them. Um, so if there are multiples, you're going to damage uh you're going to double damage and then double it again. So, w- if you have two of these out and you you know, uh hornet sting something, <laughs> Uh, it'll do the one damage, it'll be doubled to two, and then the two will be doubled to four. It doesn't go into some sort of infinite loop, okay, because these are replacement effects, it applies to the event one time and one time only. So it's not. it doesn't create some sort of loop where it's like, oh, well, you know, the second dictate is now making it four damage, so it's a different set of damage, so the first one is relevant again, so now it makes it eight, and sixteen, and crazy, 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 all sorts of lots. Um... Let's see here. Uh, If you have a a prevention effect, um, you get to decide what order you apply them in. So if someone gets hit for, say I'm getting lava axed for five, so that would be ten normally, and then I have an effect that lets me prevent two of that damage, I can choose how to order them. Uh, so I can either apply, I can either choose to apply the damage reduction of two first and then the doubling, which would be five minus two is three, double to get six. Or I can choose to apply the doubling first and then do the damage reduction. So the five would become 10 and minus two, that'd be eight, which is probably not the way you want to go. Probably. Probably not. Um, so, uh, again, the person who is being affected gets to decide, So even though I control the Dictate of the Twin Gods, um, it's the person being affected by it gets to decide uh, how that's going to work. Now, uh, how this is different from Furnace of Wrath is because Furnace of Wrath says whenever a creature or player would take damage, uh, double it. And this says whenever a permanent or a player uh, would take damage, double it. So Furnace of Wrath... um, Because you double damage to a player, you don't double damage to a Planeswalker. You could actually make a decision to say, well, we're going to redirect to the Planeswalker first, and then suddenly the damage doubling from the Furnace of Wrath doesn't apply anymore because this damage isn't being dealt to a player, it's being dealt to a Planeswalker. Uh, Or it could go the other way and you double the damage to the player and then it gets redirected to the Planeswalker, but that would also be not the thing you want to do. Um, In this particular case, since it doubles the damage to a permanent or a player, doesn't matter what order you put them in. It's still going to hit the Planeswalker for double. Nice. Well, I, nice. Guess,
1: I guess we should mention how this works with a trample. So if, okay. I, if I have a 2-2 two, two and I'm attacking, so say this is out already. I have a 2-2 two, two I'm attacking, and it's a 2-2 two, two with trample, and it, it is blocked by a 1-1. One, one, uh, I still have to... The game doesn't like look ahead and see how much damage it would end up doing. All it knows is what the power of that creature is right now. So I still have to assign one damage to the 1-1, one, one, uh, and I can only trample over... One damage. So I can't be like, well, it's gonna be four damage total, so I'll do one to the one one and trample over three. Uh no, I have to assign one to the one one and then trample over one, which both end up getting doubled to two. So the one one takes two, the player takes two. That's all for that.
2: Next card is yours. Yeah, I'll take
1: yep. it. Disciple of deceit. I is an inspired creature. Whenever Disciple of Deceit becomes untapped, you may discard a non-land card. If you do, search your library for a card with the same converted mana cost as that card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Seems pretty good.
0: It's like transmute.
1: Yeah, it's weird. So you can discard a non-land card, but if you happen to discard something with converted mana cost zero, you could get a land if you wanted to. Uh, Yeah. But that's not even what I was going to talk about. So if the card has the card you discard has X in the cost, um, X is zero. I guess that's also true for the if you're searching up a card with X in the cost. Uh, where this gets a little funky is with split cards, which normally we wouldn't talk about, but we're right on the tail end of Return to Ravnica. So let's use Turn and Burn as an example. Turn and Burn has two converted mana costs. They are two uh, and three. So if you discard Turn and Burn, you actually can search your library for a card with converted mana cost 2 or 3, but you can't get like two cards out and you can't get a card with a converted mana cost 5. You have to get a card with either converted mana cost 2 or converted mana cost 3. Also, if you are uh, searching your library for a split card, you kind of get to use the same principle. So say you discard a bear cub to Disciple of Deceit. You could get Turn and Burn because Turn and Burn has the mana cost of 2 or 3. So is it like... So it asks... Hey, Turnerburn, what's your mana cost? Two. And, and Turnerburn says two and three. And it's like, well, my mana cost for Bear Cub is two. So looks like you're good. And then you can get that card. And then you're really happy. And your opponent calls a judge because they're like, no, can't work that way. That's, that's not the way that works. That's too good. No, that's too good.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Too powerful, <laughs> can't do it. All right. Flavor judge in the house. Flavor <laughs> judge. Um So the next card is, I'm sorry, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that card? Nope. Okay. The next card is Eidolon of Rhetoric. It is an enchantment creature spirit. It costs two and a white. It is a one four and it says each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. So, uh, when this comes into play, it looks back in time to see how many spells you have already cast. So, if you go to cast a spell with this in play, it asks the question is this the first spell you cast this turn? And if the answer is no, you can't cast it. So, if you cast Idol on a Rhetoric, that's your spell for the turn. Um, so.
0: So cast it after you've done all the stuff you want to do. Yes. Yeah,
2: exactly. So you do a bunch of stuff, and then you cast it, and you're fine. The other thing it can't do is counter spells. So let's say I have a Prophet of Kruphix in play, that gives all my creatures flash, and somebody casts their second spell for the turn, and I'm like, haha! I'm going to flash in Eidolon of Rhetoric. It doesn't stop the spell that's already on the stack from resolving. That spell will still resolve normally, and then they won't be able to cast anymore.
1: You also can't cast and resolve Eidolon of Rhetoric, and then try to suspend something. Pro-tip. Wow, you're going deep <laughs> there. Uh,
0: let's 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 move on. I
2: remember that when this card's printed in Modern Masters <laughs> yeah. 2. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Idol <laughs> of the great revel reveal revel Rebel. whatever. CJ, yeah. how do you how do you pronounce it? I pronounce it revel. You pronounce it revel? Yeah. And then that can't be right
1: Revel, revel. You
0: know. Okay. A revel without a clue. All right. So this is basically the creature version of uh, of a scourge enchantment called Pyrostatic Portal. Okay. Thank you. I didn't know why you put those words there. I was like, what is Pyrostatic Portal? <laughs> Pyrostatic Portal was an enchantment that was for one and a red. It was an enchantment that said whenever a player casts a spell with converted mana cost three or less, Pyrostatic Portal deals uh, two damage to that player. It was just enchantment. This, for Red Red, is an enchantment creature spirit, that's a 2-2, that does the exact same thing. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Um, all that stuff about split card all the stuff about split cards applies. Uh, so if you cast... Um, you know, turn, it's going to trigger. If you cast burn, it's going to trigger. If you cast turn and burn, then that spell's converted mana cost is five and it's not going to trigger. Uh, for all the strive stuff, we actually look at the converted mana cost on the card, not what you actually pay. So, uh, what is it? Launch the fleet, okay, costs a white, uh, but it has a strive cost of, I think, one colorless. So, uh you know even if i target like 10 things with launch the fleet uh i'm still gonna get uh hit by eidolon of the great revel revel whatever uh (laughs) same with bestow same with bestow. same with bestow okay you're gonna look at the converted mana cost of the card not the bestow cost that you paid so um that uh there's like a, a a blue what's the what's the blue bestow dude that's like seven to bestow that lets you control the enchanted creature yeah i don't know but okay well you yeah. know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, costs, it's like it costs one and to a to white sp- normally and no it's a blue it's a one Which one fire okay blue and it's like it's like five blue blue to to steal the to steal the dude um so yes you are paying seven for that guy but his converted mana cost is still one so that's three or less, so you're gonna uh you're gonna eat two to the face. Cool. Yes, done. Well I get all the story cards. Oh, you
1: do. What is this? <laughs> all right, Godsend. It's an equipment, legendary artifact equipment for one white we're white.
0: Only, we're only on the G's.
1: Yeah, yeah, well you'll you'll see later on we start jumping ahead way
0: faster. A fast. <laughs> I
1: got a little tired of this. Um <laughs> So it says, Equipped Creature gets plus three, plus three. Whenever Equipped Creature blocks or becomes blocked by one or more creatures, you may exile one of those creatures, and opponents can't cast cards with the same name as cards exiled with Godsend. So uh, anyone, this is this is Elspeth's weapon, so anyone equipped with this would be Elspeth Jr. So uh, it doesn't matter how many creatures are blocking Elspeth Jr., only one is exiled. So if three Bear Cubs block her, doesn't matter. You're only going to exile one of the Bear Cubs. Uh, this exiling ability, though, does not target at all. You just choose a creature as it resolves. That means that it could exile a creature with protection from white, um, a creature with hexproof of your opponents. None of that
0: matters because uh, you just choose a creature with Trunet protection from players. Maybe. <laughs> you both. Uh, yes. We both jump on True Name Nemesis. Yes, 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 that's yes, True Name Nemesis. But
1: yeah, yeah, I could get True Name Nemesis. Yes. Uh, if the godsend is destroyed after exiling something, it the uh it's the godsend itself that is stopping your opponents from casting those cards. So if Godsend is destroyed, they can cast those exiled cards again. And if you somehow exile a land, perhaps a, a Muta is blocking your guy. Um even though it's exiled and no more Muta Vaults can be quote unquote cast, you play lands. So people could still play any lands that might be exiled by Godsend, the sword spear thing. Godsend. And also, it's not an enchantment because it wouldn't fit on the type line. Everybody get over it. Indeed. Get over it.
2: So the next card is Harness by Force. It is a red card. Costs one red red, a sorcery. This is another one with Strive. It costs two red more to cast for each target beyond the first. Gain control of any number of target creatures until end of turn. Untap those creatures. They gain haste until end of turn. Uh, you can target your own guys with this and give them haste or trigger heroic abilities. Uh, um, You don't gain control of any attached auras. This is a thing that came up a lot in in Theros draft when you'd take control of a guy that had two counters on on an ordeal and you'd put the third counter on the ordeal and then your opponent would get the triggered ability because they still control that aura. And um, if any of those creatures you take control of have inspired abilities and are tapped... Then, when you untap them, you get the inspired triggers that result. That's because you're gaining control first, then untapping. Right. But with Heroic, for example, if you cast the spell on your opponent's creatures with Heroic, they do not get the trigger.
0: Right. Oh, CGs gets all the fun ones. Uh, okay. Ah, Hero's Bane. Hero's Bane. For three green, green, it is a zero, zero creature. All right. There we go. That's it. Next. <laughs> no, okay, no. Uh Hero's Bane enters the battlefield with 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Uh and then has the ability of two green green put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on Hero's Bane where X is its power. So its power mm-hmm. is determined when the ability resolves, so it might have actually shrunk or grown in response. Um and then uh if its power so so basically let's say I it's got its four counters on it um, and there is a uh a gaia's anthem in play which gives all creatures plus one plus one and i activate its ability then its power is five so i'm going to get uh uh, five plus one plus one counters on it so it's not doubling the counters it's doubling its power so if you have other things like that white flash enchantment that gives creatures uh plus one plus one plus two plus two whatever (laughs) yeah okay and then if for whatever reason um Its power is negative. Why is this comment in here? If its power is negative, okay, if its power is negative when its ability resolves, just put zero counters on it.
1: Because it's that old Beastmaster trick where it gave all your creatures plus X plus X, where X is the Beastmaster's power. And you uh, could, in okay. response to that trigger, make it negative and kill all their creatures.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm
1: just pointing out that this does not work with Hero's Bane. Yes, that's it. Uh, you can't right. put negative three counters on something. You can give something negative three, negative three. They're two different things.
0: All right, go on. Do your Krufix God of Mana.
1: I will. Krufix. God of Horizons. He has all the normal God stuff. He's blue-green. Uh, he says, you have no maximum hand sides, which I actually did not know he said that because everyone only talks about the next ability, which... If unused mana would be empty from your mana pool, that mana becomes colorless instead. For some reason, I see the question come up a lot of whether or not you get to keep the mana. This is a replacement effect. It's replacing the mana, emptying from your mana pool, with instead of emptying, it now just becomes colorless. So yes, you're keeping that mana for as long as you have Krufix. You do not have to use it at the end of every uh, step or phase. Uh, This is a little different from Omnath, but because Omnath just says that mana doesn't empty at the end of your end steps or green mana. Um, he's an old card from Zendikar block. I think he's from Rise of the Eldrazi specifically. Yeah.
0: So, and he, he he's a little different, because since green mana doesn't empty from your mana pool, it actually doesn't trigger this replacement. It, it, it whiffs on this replacement effect, too. Like, they don't interact.
1: Oh, yes, that's true. If you had Omnath out, uh, all your green mana would remain green, forever, but any colored mana would still become... and uh, any other colors would become colorless. I,
2: I love the fact that this specifies unused mana.
1: <laughs> That's true. Like... That's unnecessary. Like
2: if if unused mana would empty, but if <laughs> mana you've already used would empty from your mana pool. Well, well think about this. If,
0: if used mana would empty from your pool, okay, or if it just said if mana would empty from your pool, it becomes colorless instead, you would suddenly start wondering, well, if I cast a spell, mana's being emptied from my pool, mm. so does that become color? Le, I guess, guess I,
2: that's a reasonable it? question.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's probably it's probably on there like it seems it seems silly but if you took that word out it would suddenly become like wait, what? <laughs> uh if
1: Crufix is let's say afflicted by deicide, uh you have until the end of the current step or phase to use the mana. So you'll have a bunch of just colorless mana and you can just you you have until the end of the step or phase when it would normally empty. Yeah,
0: bust bust out those winding canyons, y'all. Uh lands that lets you play creatures that fly as they had flash all right
1: um and if the mana has any special riders on it like cavern of souls um uh, says you know you can only use that mana to cast creatures of that type those riders exist it's still the same mana it's just colorless now so those riders are requirements you know if something says uh spend that mana only on artifact spells that's probably all colors anyway but you get the point uh that that still exists um Goseju, who Shelters All, I think is the name of that card, which makes the spell uncounterable. If you spend mana on it, that is still uncounterable. It's still the same mana. It just might have become colorless.
2: Hmm. 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 Next card. Harados, <laughs> um, God of Storms, costs three blue-red uh, legendary enchantment creature god. It is indestructible and does all the other normal god stuff. Uh, with the devotion thing and seven devotion and whether or not it's a creature. Uh, It says, reveal the first card you draw on each of your turns. So that is only the first card you draw and only on your turn. Whenever you reveal a land card this way, draw a card. Whenever you reveal a non-land card this way, Keranos deals three damage to target creature or player. This one is a little interesting only from a policy perspective. In that, even though it uses the word whenever, it's not three separate triggered abilities. It's one triggered ability that you can screw
1: up. No. This this is a replacement effect that can cause two triggered abilities. That's what's weird about it.
2: Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, My bad. I read it wrong. Well, don't I feel bashful? All right. (laughs) So, uh, okay.
0: So. so the reveal the reveal is mandatory. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you reveal it and obviously you have to reveal it. Uh, that is not a triggered ability. It's just a thing you have to do. You have to reveal the card. Um, and then, you know, if you reveal the land card, well, then the trigger says draw a card. And if you reveal a non land card, then the trigger says deal three damage to target creature or player. Yeah. And if you forget and just
0: put the card into your hand, uh, yeah, <laughs> game rules of election. GRV. Yep, GRV, and we're probably not going to rewind that. (laughs) No, that's really
1: awkward to rewind it. Um, Some, so obviously we're talking about competitive events, um, but some judges may be tempted to try to do the GRV upgrade, which has to do with misplaying hidden information. Um, It used to be, you know, basically it used to be what used to be called failure to reveal. And they're like, hey, the title of that old infraction kind of applies here. You know, without actually looking at what the infraction said. But this is not a GRV upgrade. This is just a GRV. You you failed to reveal the card. That was what went wrong. You did not misplay hidden information. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we could go we could go deep into that, but it's a little bit weird, but yeah, just make sure, like, you know, put a put a bead on top of your library. Just make sure you reveal that first card. It's in your best interest anyway.
0: Yep. Alright. Uh now let's see here. Uh, launch the fleet. Okay, so for a white, it's sorcery. Until end of turn, any number of target creatures each g- gain. Whenever this creature attacks, put a 1-1 white soldier creature token onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And it has strive. Launch the fleet costs one more f- to cast for each target beyond the first. Alright, so I pay my one to give my, bear- give my bear cub this extra ability, and I attack... Uh, When that token enters that battlefield, I get to decide uh, who it's attacking, you know, which planeswalker, which player at that point. Um, The tokens, while it's put into play, tapped and attacking, it did not actually consider it's it didn't actually attack for spells and effects that care about creatures that attacked. Um, And let's see here. If, for some reason, you launch the fleet twice on your guys, then each attacker will generate two tokens, as there are two triggers now. Cool. So this card
2: is right up there with, with with Release the Ants for Should Have Had an Exclamation Point in its name. Ooh, I mean, yes. Kaboom got one. I was
1: about to say, how many cards have one? And the only one I can name is Kaboom.
2: Uh, Kaboom, uh, there's two arms. there are actually two.
1: Two Arms.
2: Two Arms also has one, yeah.
1: Wow. Yes, Two Arms has one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Master of the Feast. This guy's another kind of policy one. Um, he's, But he's three mana, five, five, flying uh, black creature. So that seems fair. He also has a little bit of text called, at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent draws a card. Uh, this is a, a pure example of a detrimental trigger, which means if you, first off, even though your opponent is the one doing an action, it is up to you as the controller of this card to remember the trigger. If you can't just be like, oh, let me just rush through my upkeep and go to my draw. Oh, you forgot to draw your card. You missed your trigger. No, it's your trigger, the controller of Master of the Feast. Um, If you're intentionally missing it, that's cheating, but we're going to assume you're not doing that. If you miss it on accident, because this is a generally detrimental trigger, uh, you will be receiving a warning for that, and it has the normal upgrade pass. So make sure to remember your Master of the Feast trigger.
2: Once again. And, And to clarify what CJ said, he meant we're going to assume that for the purpose of this example. We are not going to always assume oh, no. yes. that, that you that you are not cheating if it comes up. We might go, wait, this looks like cheating and deal with it appropriately. Yeah. 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 The next card is Polymorphous Rush. Have fun. What? <laughs> I said have fun with this. I mean, I, I like this card just because this sounds like a new energy drink. <laughs> It's cause we needed a new mirror weave. I just really wanted one. Need that extra kick, drink Polymorphous Rush.
1: (laughs) I do like that everything became bores
2: um so well, that seems to be a theme like with turn to swine and anyway um so it costs two and a blue it's an instant it has the strive keyword not really a keyword but ability word uh polymorphous rush costs one and a blue more to cast for each target beyond the first choose a creature on the battlefield any number of target creatures you control each become a copy of that creature until end of turn uh, so, interesting stuff about this. <laughs> this. This this does not target the creature that's being copied. Uh, so you could copy something that has Hexproof or Shroud or Protection from Blue. So if I want to copy my opponent's Geist of St. Traft, that is a thing I can do. Uh, it only makes creatures you control copies. But you can make them a copy of your opponent's creature. So... You can't make your opponent's creature a copy of something you have, but you can make your creature a copy of any creature on the battlefield. Um, it copies the printed text to the card, which is something we went over in our layers episodes and our copy episode and our copy episode
1: it's called the uh, do
2: um, copy. So I'm not really going to get into that, but but if you copy a zero zero Hydra, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> if you uh, if you have a monstrous creature that's attacking and you copy a a different creature with monstrous. Uh, You could not get counters for activating your monstrosity ability again. And this is a thing that came up already with some cards in in Theros is that that once a card is monstrous, it stays monstrous and... If it becomes a different kind of creature with a monstrous ability and you activate it, it, it doesn't really do anything.
1: Um, you can skip that last one if you want. <laughs> it was just yet another example of copying things.
2: Yeah. We, we kind of beat copying into the ground in a few different episodes. So I, I don't feel we need to go over this a lot. If, if you have some issues with this, you can either email us with a question or you can go back to one of our copy episodes or our layers episode and, and, and listen to that and it, we go into it in pretty significant detail. Okay. Hey,
0: CJ, yeah. Can we can we swap? I want to talk about I want to talk about the white card. Please do. Me,
1: yeah. All okay. right, prophetic flame speaker. Uh, he's a bro. He's a one three with double strike and trample. And whenever prophetic flame speaker deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. So first off, we don't actually normally see double strike and trample together. Um, but double strike and trample is kind of kind of interesting in that if if say he's blocked by a one one, um, the, if the first strike kills the one one. He still gets to do double strike damage, and that's because he has trample. If he didn't have trample, he would not get to do the double strike, uh, the second strike. But more interesting is his, his uh, triggered ability. So all it does is exiles the top card... Oh, of your library. Ooh, I actually initially read that as the opponent's library. Uh, it exiles the top card of your library and gives you the option to play it this turn. But all of the normal timing rules apply. So if it's a sorcery, you still have to cast it. Um, you know, Presumably this happened in the middle of combat, so you can't cast it right then. You have to wait till your second main phase when the stack is empty. Um, if it's a land card, you can play it, but you can only play it if you haven't already played a land this turn and if for whatever reason say you can't uh, you still have to pay all the costs for the spell as well so say you can't afford it or it you just don't want to cast it if you choose not to play it this turn uh, it will be exiled forever.
2: did you mention that you also still have to pay the cost?
1: Y- yes okay yeah yeah you still you play it it's kind of like it's it's kind of like it's a pseudo additional card in your hand um, I think we're going to be seeing this effect a lot more on red cards
0: yeah
1: it's it kind seems of a, to be a, a new thing they're giving them um starting with chandra the the elkin jar ability or whatever it is bottle all right talk about
0: all right I hate... i'm gonna talk about quarry colossus i hate these effects i i hate the questions that these things generate all yeah. right so it's five white white for a creature giant five six When Quarry Colossus enters the battlefield, put target creature into its owner's library just beneath the top X cards of that library, where X is the number of planes you control. So, if you control two planes, because he's got white-white in his mana cost, it is going to now be the third card down. It is under the top two cards. Okay, if you control no planes, then you're going to stick it on the top. If you control a billion planes, then you are, and you only have 20 cards in your library uh, because I guess you were using this, the infinite number of land in your sideboard rule uh, for uh, for sealed deck for the pre-release. Then you're going to put it on the bottom of your library. All right. So now here is a question that's been going around the judge forums for the last two days. I want to talk about for a second. Okay, if there's a if you put a creature five cards down because you have five planes and then a turn later, they uh, commit the looking at extra cards infraction. Like they flip over the top card of their library or the bottom card or something like that. Okay. We are supposed to shuffle the library, taking into account any known cards in the library. So that means, you know, the card that quarry Colossus put down, he put it down. Now it's four cards down. We know where that card is. We need to persist that card's location. So stick it over to the side, shuffle everything else, okay, and then put that card back, okay? There have been a lot of corner cases that people are asking, well, what if no one can remember what was put X cards down? Please. Or what? Yeah, right. Okay, I'm casting Quarry Colossus. Your opponent cast Quarry Colossus to get rid of one of your creatures. He knows what creature it is, and he knows how far down it was. Okay, but what if there's like two of those creatures back to back in the top of the no, just (laughs) common sense common sense at people. Come on now. Okay, this is this you're not gonna run into a situation where they can't remember how many cards down it is. You look at the library, cards in the library, they can't remember what the creature is, you can't figure out how far down it is. That's not gonna happen. Okay, rant over. No. Oh
2: Hey, Hey, speaking of
1: rants. Speaking of rants,
2: All right, all right, all right,
1: all right. Of <laughs> course, Jess gets it. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> you don't even have to read the card.
2: Okay, so this is this card is Scourge of Fleets. You don't even have to read it. It's all about the art. Because because <laughs> these days Magic is a lot like Game of Thrones. Everything is the thing of nouns. It's the Scourge of Fleets. Oh, these days. What about like old
1: whatever of gnats? Like like it's uh sure the thing of of um throne of bone of wall of elephants, bone. Yeah, it's been like crash of rhinos like. Well, I mean, that's yeah. a real thing, dude. So, on, yeah, but there used to be, like, it used to be... is a ramp-
2: Kraken, Kraken, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Okay. And uh, it's a 6-6. Six, six. Now, it has an ability, but I don't think we need to talk about the ability. The The important thing about this card is that the art is a depiction of this this Kraken going up and, and trying to eat what appears to be a relatively moderate-sized ship. Yes. That, that <laughs> yes. maybe could fit in its mouth, maybe in one bite. Yes. It's a 6-6. Six, six. Yes, it is physically smaller than a colossal whale. Colossal whale, it is
0: physically smaller than a
1: colossal whale.
2: What the heck, guys? From an
1: M14, yeah, from M14. Colossal whale is gigantic. Cause look, you can really tell the size of this guy because he's got little scale sharks around him that that really show his scale as 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 compared oh, to a does. shark. Yeah. Whereas colossal whale, like like every time I bring up colossal whale, I know people go look at the art and they're like, he doesn't look that big. But then I have to tell you, look to the right. And look at that other ship that is smaller than Colossal Whale's eyeball. And then you'll start to get a, uh, a sense of how wrong Colossal Whale is. So it's very upsetting that they made this guy. They made him a 6'6", yet he's made it, definitely yeah. smaller than Colossal Whale. Right. Come on now. It's ridiculous. I might quit magic over it. <laughs> Magic right. is ruined forever.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they have to do this. Rosewater just did his 20 things that almost killed Magic, so obviously this is the 21st. This is the 21st. This I mean, if Slivers
1: thing. can get on that list, this has bugged this... me way more than Slivers ever did. Right.
0: I, I put profanity in the show notes over this
1: card. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, a pirate ship, the Magic card pirate ship is a 4-3, so I really feel like... I don't know. Something's <laughs> not right. Like, if a pirate ship is 4-3, and this ship is a... And that whale or that kraken is a 6-6, six, six, I, I don't know. None of it's working out here. Yeah.
0: So so here's the thing. Six pirate ships can sit back and take the scourge of fleets out. So a half a fleet of pirate ships... Because I'm assuming a fleet, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, that seems like a decent number. A, dozen. Yeah. a half a fleet can take out a scourge of fleets. Something's... Re- something's wrong just it just doesn't make sense flavor judge cast
1: uh yeah this card realized well, my worst cast my worst fears all right that was it that was it yeah segue. all
0: right segue into we'll worst talk fears. about it you
1: brian go for it
0: i get yeah, okay i don't even know what this card does okay seven it's <laughs> worst fears it's seven in a black for a sorcery you control target player during that player's next turn exile worst fears All right, what is this summary note? No, you can't make them do that. Yes,
1: whatever you think you can make them do, you probably can't make them do.
0: Yeah, basically, they still do everything. You just make decisions for them. You can't make them... uh, You can make them tap their mana. You can make them cast their spell wrong. You cannot make them concede. You cannot make them buy new sleeves for their deck. (laughs) Um, You cannot make them go get you a soda. You can't make them draw extra cards to get a game loss. You can't make them draw extra cards to get a game loss. You do get to look at their sideboard. Okay. Um, uh, you cannot make them write their notes in Sanskrit, I <laughs> guess. Uh, so you just simply or, control. Or more relevantly,
2: of... you can't make them write their notes in English. Sure. Yes.
0: Uh, you simply control all of the decisions that they make. So anything that they can see, normally you can see. Uh, You decide their attacks, what spells they cast, that kind of thing. Um, You are, there is not, you are not them for the purpose of spells and effects. You are just merely a puppet master and they are dancing on your strings, but they are still them. So things that trigger off of them doing things and you doing things, they still trigger off of the correct person. Yeah, so this this is only the third time we've ever had this effect in magic,
1: so... I thought it wouldn't have
2: to. Talk. Something that goes along with this though is if you manage to cast this twice in a turn, maybe you you replicate it or not replicate it, but uh uh twin cast it or something. Mm-hmm. Um you you only get to control their next turn. You don't get their next two turns. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Hey, so CJ?
1: Yeah. Uh
0: with the flavor on this card, what's going on in that art? And the flavor text and stuff. What is what is that? That seems story related, and you're a story goober.
2: Well,
1: I, I don't know yet because the the novel,
0: the second novel, isn't
1: out. But I would assume Elspeth went into Nyx to get Xenagos to kill him.
0: Elspeth feared that her trespass into Nyx would not go unanswered. Yeah. Dun dun dun. So I
1: figured she thinks the gods will come at her, which I believe they do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't. I just don't know yet. Uh, I will. So I think
2: that's May. the last one. We've gone over all of the cards from this set that we wanted to touch on in this podcast. Thank you for bearing with us. That's correct. Yay.
1: All of them, including the whale. I mean, Kraken. The
0: Kraken.
2: All
1: right. Uh, we I think we will be skipping emails this time. As I suspected, this one went a little bit longer than we want our shows to be these days. Gone are the days of two-plus-hour shows. Um, here are the days of 1.5-hour shows. Uh, but We did want to talk about some projects uh brian and i have worked on individual projects um i'll go with mine first because brian's is actually more important so i want to end with it um but they are there are um, judge classes on the wiki if you go to wiki.magicjudges.org uh and if you look at the front page you can go to judge classes also I'll, i'll have a link in the show notes but i went through those classes and um they've been a little outdated they were originally all in pdfs um they were created by floridians um I don't know who specifically to give credit to um, uh, Sean Copeland, Sean Copeland. Sure. Um, but they, they were all PDFs and, and I went through and I converted them to wiki format. And I also updated them because um, they were way out of date. But if you're looking to move from level zero to level one, uh, that you are exactly the target of these judge classes. I also added a few lessons on the um, MTR in the jar and uh, had to completely rewrite the uh, the lesson on keyword abilities and standard. And I'm really, (laughs) really mad at Return to Ravnica. (laughs) Like part of me just wanted to wait till it rotated and then do it. But um, honestly, Theros isn't far behind it. Theros has like nine abilities or something crazy. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're the type listening to this podcast, you're trying to make level one. uh, I think it's a great resource to go check out. Uh, I wouldn't have put this time into it if I didn't think it was a good resource. Um, It has practice tests for you to take after each class. You know, I, I think it's a great way to move from level zero to level one. And I know it's helped a lot of people. Yeah,
0: it's even been translated into a few languages. So
1: uh, it is. those translations are probably out of date, though.
0: Yeah, but still, <laughs> it was. Um, so, yeah, the judge, the judge classes are um, So I've run them uh, a few times based on the content on this on this uh, on this wiki. And. Uh, it will help people get from L zero to L one. Uh, plus, it gives you a lot of ability to to talk to people about things. They get to ask questions, that kind of thing. It's a it's a really great resource if you are interested in mentoring or if you just want to kind of do a study at your own pace thing. So and since it's a,
1: oh, it's on the wiki now, it can be updated regularly.
0: Yes, uh,
1: I have no intent to up uh, to maintain it from this point on. Although there is a team. Uh, that will be doing that, but this is a wiki, and if you go on there and you're like, "Hey, they haven't added the text for consolation yet, or whatever," uh, just add it. It's not hard.
0: All right. It's kind of the point of the wiki. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict that on mine. <laughs> sure. We'll, yeah. All right. So so uh, mine is a project uh, that I'm very proud of uh, called the Annotated IPG. Uh, we kicked around names like uh, IPG for dummies, but we figured that that would probably not go over so well. Um, what it is, it's also on the wiki. If you go to the wiki, it's not on the front page yet. Uh, it's that new, um, And but if you type in the search box, annotated IPG, it'll take you to the main page. And What it is, is every sentence in the IPG with a paragraph explanation of what it means. Okay, so it is it is a very very detailed deconstruction of this sentence. You know when it means uh, when the sentence says. Uh, don't upgrade this if the card, you know, when talking about GRVs, you know, don't upgrade if this card was ever in a uniquely identifiable position. Okay, a lot of people read over that and they go, oh, if it's ever in a uniquely, if it's currently in a uniquely identifiable position. No, that's not what it means. And we go over in detail what that means with examples. Um, uh, So I have a a team of about uh, eight people who helped me out. Uh, just this week, we're working on getting a French translation posted to the French wiki. Um, it is a great resource for people who are looking to get to dip their toe into competitive, uh, REL, uh, or if you are a player and you want to read it to know what us judges are looking for and what things mean. Uh, it's got definitions of rail, you know, description of the philosophy, all that good stuff. Uh, And yes, it is a wiki, but since it is translated into other languages, I'm trying to keep kind of a tight control over it so that if a change is made, I can communicate that change to the people who are uh, uh, managing it in another language so if you read it and you want to make a change uh, send me an email instead and I'll try and incorporate it but it allows me to uh, to kind of farm that stuff out to the groups and kind of keep everything in lockstep and it will be updated with the next IPG when it comes out uh, so we are maintaining it
2: Have you put a tag at the top of that page that says not to update it?
0: Uh, I have not that seems what like it's a good idea. Well, here's the thing. What I'd like to do is I'd like to do the thing that makes it uh, like there's certain pages on the wiki that you can't actually edit. Yeah, official sources. Official sources. So I'd actually kind of like to, to lock it down that way. Um, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. But it seems kind of weird to, to to, yeah, I don't know. I've thought about it. It hasn't turned out to be a problem yet. Because I don't think anybody wants to get in there, and uh, you know, if there's a team, if there's a team actively managing it, then people probably we have a hard enough time getting people to edit the wiki who are supposed to. <laughs> right, right. You know, I don't think I'm going to have to worry about them rogue wiki editors too much.
1: But I think I think the annotated IPG is it's very cool. I think it's very good. Uh, I've looked over some sections of it. Uh, maybe we, maybe we can get clues to read it. Have a uh, an oh, audio
0: annotated a, IPG, a dramatic reading. <laughs> yeah. It's, if anything else, players, go look at it. Go use it to settle arguments amongst yourselves. Yeah. If anything else, please, it's it's right now uh, uh, number 30 in the most viewed pages on the wiki, and it's only been out for about two weeks now. So I really want to get that count. I want to get it in the top 10 by the end of uh, next month. So go do that. I don't get anything other than personal pride, <laughs> but uh, I still
1: want it. All right, so links to those will be in the show notes. Uh, like I said, we're going to skip emails this time. Uh, although, if you want to email us, you can at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also always like us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast, or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. You can also go find our Tumblr that we brought up at the beginning of the show. It's like Tumblr.com slash I don't even know what it is. We I think haven't we've posted got, a single we, thing to it.
0: We just kind of, I, I did, actually. Oh, it was okay. kind of one of these. It's like, oh, so this is this Tumblr thing that all them kids are talking about these days. And then we've got a follower. Oh, nice. A follower. And, yeah, a single. I don't know what they're uh, No. Oh. A Tumblrite or
1: whatever. Hmm. So actually, Actually, that link I just said is not it com slash judge but whatever i don't care D- don't bother going to that you could go to and ask us anything uh, and
0: we won't answer. If, you, if you go if you actually go and ask us questions then we can answer them so there'll be stuff you know i don't know what to do with a tumblr account we know, just man, just email us yeah just i don't i don't know so uh you guys
2: have anything else you want to add before we wrap this this up i don't have anything cool brian i don't have any special projects like you guys
1: <laughs> oh well
2: yeah <laughs> i don't know
1: <laughs> anything else brian no okay fine all right well i'd like to thank everybody for listening to another Facalicious episode uh my name is cj trader i keep it fair
0: i'm jess dunks i keep it fun i'm brian perlman i keep it just beneath the top x cards of your library where x is the number of planes you can